Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Hello, everybody, and welcome to show number 237 from Engage for Success. I'm Jo Moffitt. Um, I'm host for today's show. And as many of our regular listeners will know, I am MD and founder of Woodread. And we're a specialist advertising agency who work with our clients to help them use their brand to engage their people and create high-performing cultures. Um, I'll introduce this week's guest in a moment. But before I do this, uh, before I do that, I want to do a little bit of a shameless plug. Um, So Engage with Success annual conference um, is taking place this year on the 22nd of March. Um, It's in Westminster at at the QE2 Hall. A fabulous central London venue, and the speaker lineup is amazing. Uh, it's an absolutely packed um, uh, day of really top notch speakers, including people from the CBI, people from the CIPD, and the RSA. We've got Dame Carol Black talking with us, we've got somebody from the post office, as well as Absolute Vodka and, and Mum's Net, um, and, and many others as well. So it's a cracking day. Um, We've got early bird tickets available till the end of January. Um, So there is still a few days left for you to secure your place. And I will tell you the URL, which is www.engageforsuccess.org forward slash 2018 conference, 2018 conference. So take a look at the link, have a look at the speaker lineup, and I'm sure you won't be able to resist. And then you can book yourself a ticket. So I look forward to seeing many of you there. Um, but for today, uh, for the next half hour, I'm going to be talking with Kate Cooper. Kate is Head of Research at the Institute of Leadership and Management. And we're going to be looking at the topic of employee engagement in the construction industry. Um, so welcome to today's show, Kate. Thanks very much, Joe. Nice to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you. And we're going to be talking um, about some research that one of the Engage for Success thought and action groups or TAGs um, has been working on and putting together um, in recent months. And, and Kate has the, uh, the job of sort of intru- introducing that to you all and sort of sharing some of the highlights and some of the key findings. But b- before we get into that specifically, um, Kate, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself professionally and the Institute of Leadership and Management, if you wouldn't mind? Yes, certainly. Um, I spent uh, 25 years as an academic in a university business school, Mm -hmm. teaching, consulting, researching the practice of leadership. And what I found increasingly, I suppose, or I noticed increasingly, working with senior managers, mainly on executive MBA programs, was that when things weren't working as well as one would like, the people involved usually knew what was going wrong, what the causes were, and what might fix it. And mm-hmm. however many consultants or PhD or master's studies were done, the gap, as I see it, between the identification of the problems and the things that need fixing and the things that need move, improving were where it stumbled. That changed from doing things one way to doing things another way. And, of course, when we think about it, it's not really surprising because that's the messy, untidy part of a change program, implementing it, where you have people who have different understandings, different motivations, and different receptiveness 
to the mm-hmm. train that's under review. So I joining the Institute of Leadership and Management, which is a professional body. We represent over 30,000 managers, all passionate about inspiring great leadership everywhere. We run mm-hmm. events, we offer learning resources. And I thought this was a great opportunity to close that gap, to find out what it is that makes great leadership happen which makes great organisations flourish. So that's where I am today. Righto, thank you, lovely. Okay, um, and you know, change is a constant, isn't it? Really, it just doesn't ever go away. We were, I was at um, uh, civil service and engaged for success event last Wednesday, where there were some fabulous case studies being shared from across the public sector about um, how they had managed transformation, transformational change, really, and used the engage with success for enablers as, as frameworks for that um, and and you know it, it absolutely is the case isn't it that just change just doesn't go away it's it's there for good really so we all need to get better at managing it and better at engaging our people with it I think so tell yes, me a little bit to be future no no sorry don't worry future, future yeah future proof absolutely so um, let's talk a little bit about the thought and action group then which was um, the Leadership and Engagement Thought and Action Group, which decided to look specifically at the construction industry, as I understand it. Can you tell us how, a little bit about how this came about? Well, the construction industry is such a complex industry. It's also got a huge number of SMEs, which, of course, is great for leadership research because people are so much closer to their leaders and to the processes of leadership than they are in much huger organizations. It's very complicated because of the way it's organized through many subcontractors, got many, mm-hmm. many trades involved, um, varying in skill level and expertise. So into trying to find out what makes people engaged, how does leadership impact engagement and that wanting to come to work is a particularly fascinating area of study. And we were fortunate enough to have two uh, construction companies that agreed to let us conduct the research, um, surveying their, their, their managers and employees. Righto. And, and who's been involved in that um, in that piece of research I mean obviously the two firms we'll talk about in a little in a little mo- uh, in a moment in terms of structure and, and you know size and so on but in terms of any sort of sponsors and interested parties who's been who's been contributing to this work well as we've been again really lucky here we've had the uh, CITB the construction industry training board who actually sponsored the project Mm-hmm. Brilliant input from academics at Henley Business School and UE, the University of the West of England. Of course, that you know, it's all within the umbrella of uh, Engage for Success. The Leadership mm-hmm. Trust were influential and instrumental at, at the beginning, and many volunteers who have given their time, their expertise, their energy to making this project happen. Right, right. Okay, excellent, which is entirely... Um, the story of engagement with success, really. We couldn't do what we do without the energy and the, the commitment of all of our volunteers. So that's another great example, really. So tell me a little bit about the, the two firms. What, what sort of size were they and what, 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 was, their, what was their structure? 
Well, they, they were uh, on the smaller end of, of, of construction companies. Um, one of them had, has been in existence for over 50 years and the other mm-hmm. one 150 years. Right. So they're in, employing thousands of people rather than mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands. Mm-hmm. Both of us a strong tradition of being family firms or having that history of a family mm-hmm. tradition, but both very up-to-date in their understanding of, of leadership, in their approach to construction, in their really valuing the people. So I think you'd have to have a certain level of commitment to your people in order to commit to a survey like this to give yes. it the support. So you're, you're almost starting with people, you are starting with people who know this is important, we need to know more, we need to know why our people come to work and how to make work more enjoyable for them and more productive. Yeah, and so, so what was the research specifically looking at, Kate? Well, the, fortunately, the CITB had already completed research in, CR, uh, in SMEs, and so it sort of gave us a starting point to look at this idea of what's been called distributed leadership. And although if you look at the quite a few academic papers written on this, if you really boil it down to what it's about, it's how involved people are in the leadership of the organization how involved are they in making decisions that affect them how much is their expertise valued listened to and how does it inform the strategic decision the planning processes of the organization so that's distributed leadership is almost involving people who should know and who are affected and most importantly have the best insights they're involved in those important decisions. So that's why we wanted to look at distributed leadership because it had already been indicated by the work that the CITB had done as being an important factor in engagement. Where companies adopted these practices, the employees of those companies seemed to be more engaged um, in in the work that they did for them. Right. So to the layman, um, because distributed leadership is a term I have to say I've not come across before, but is that the same sort of thing as delegation or is it is it different to that, Kate? I think I suppose I'd call it delegation, um, extreme delegation or delegation on steroids. It's, it's <laughs> right. not just saying to somebody, do, you know, do this job and when you finish, let me know. Um, they come back and tell me. It's, it's, it's much more democratic than that. It's much more about saying, well, you probably know more about this than I do, or you do indeed know more about this than I do. Your expert input is really important to how we make the decisions. So it's not delegating responsibility for the decision to somebody and say, well, what do you want to do? I'll make you, you're responsible for that. It's much more about sharing it and often where you have lots of, and again, the construction industry is a good example, where you have lots of different expertise, where they sort of know what the other people do, but they really know what they do extremely well. And it's those interfaces, it's the boundaries where one thing crosses over to another, that the more people who understand the bigger picture and able to influence the decisions, the better the decisions are going to be. Right. Right. So what, what was the what was the methodology of the research and, and, and 
Uh, what sort of time frame did you do, uh, conduct it? Well, we, we uh, chose to do a survey because, of course, you can reach more people like that. Interviewing mm-hmm. gives you a, perhaps a richer picture, but you have uh, far fewer interviewers. We were really lucky. We got over 840 people completing our survey. We mm-hmm. identified 12 factors that we would say were evidence of um, distributed leadership and also we defined engagement and we were looking for correlations you know where you had high levels of engagement this idea of work being enjoyable and meaningful and people happy to do it what what else was going on in the organization that would Mm -hmm. seem to correlate or there was there was a relationship between those two and so we'd worked built on the CITB study, but where we found that there was this idea of sharing responsibility for decision-making, for sharing the the creation, the co-creation of strategic plans and strategic direction, you've got higher levels of engagement. And even as I'm saying it now, it seems perhaps to, to many people quite obvious because the more involved, the more control, the more influence you have over the future of your work well the more you are going to feel part of it and feel it's important to you mm-hmm. is, is that a function would you say of the um the construction industry because it is made up of people practicing so many different trades and crafts on any one building site you know that that, that you can't be an expert in all of these things, so you have to defer to the experts in their particular trade. Or is that a bit too simplistic? No, I think that there would be a propensity, a readiness there to understand what you're talking about Mm. Um, in industries where there is that degree of complexity, where you've got many people involved in trying to deliver the end product. I think we also, we're seeing it increasingly in the social care sector, where social workers, care workers, clinicians, GPs, they all understand that they're all part of the big picture, which is caring for for people who need to be cared for. So I think for people to understand what you're talking about, yes, of course, there'll be some industries and sectors that, where it makes much more immediate sense to those participants in it. Mm, mm. I mean, it's interesting, actually, construction, and, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the social care or the care sector because that's another one that, that, that had sprung to mind for me. But um, I'm struggling to think of any other sectors where this, this kind of model would apply. Maybe I just haven't really thought about it enough, but are there any others that immediately spring to mind, or would you say those are the two biggies? I think it's where you're looking for a total experience. I think, although I haven't given this a great deal of thought, I was thinking earlier today about tourism, where mm-hmm. a place, a town, a country really wants tourism to be successful, but there's no one player in that place that's going to be able to make it successful on their own. So you will have to listen to the hoteliers, the restauranteurs, the tour guides, all of the people that travel, the infrastructure, all of those yes. people will be able to come together and say, this is what makes good tourism from our point of view, from our point of view, from our point of view. So I think it's really, it's a way of thinking, isn't it? Rather than, you know, a structure mm. that exists. Yes. yes, no, I can see that. Yes, that's another, that's another good example, actually, isn't it? So, um, and 
so you did the survey, and I guess that must have been quite a challenge, given that a lot of these people in the construction industry, they're not what you would call your classic office-based worker with a PC or a laptop in front of them. They're out on site, um, remote workers, uh, certainly remote from an office desk-based type of role, aren't they? So that, that must have presented some practical challenges, did it? Well, that, of course, to some extent would um, upset your sample because you, you know you're try- the people that you really want to hear from are the, perhaps the most people that are inaccessible. And that's why we were so di- de- delighted with the number of responses we got and we ran all the statistical checks. Obviously helped here very much by having Henley and Yui on the team to say, yeah, actually, the, the people we spoke to were adequately representative. We can say, yes, this is a significant sample. And I think mm-hmm. also when we look at the, the, the other findings we got, which were particularly to do with um, individual manager behavior or the, the level of trust that individuals had in their managers, where they were seen as protecting the team or championing the team or responding to external events to make sure that their teams were okay. That was very important. And again, that's about coming to work and feeling valued, isn't it? That if your manager's looking out for you, got your back, well, then that's, that's a nice feeling. That's a nice place to be. And another finding, another factor that we found as being significant, although we've called it a clear managers having clear direction we haven't really it doesn't mean in this case that managers are directing people clearly at all it means there's a much a shared sense clear understanding of the strategic direction of the organization so you can link that back can't you to mission statements so what are we here for what is what's the purpose of us what's the meaning of us and if we can all say you know roughly that what that means to us and those values, I suppose, are aligned. Again, it's a clear indicator, isn't it, of how engaged you're likely to feel at work. Yes, absolutely. So, so in in a nutshell, then the the key findings were were that people felt that their manager was looking out for them. That, as you say, to use the phrase, you know, they had their backs. They were they were they they looked out for their 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 needs, their well-being, their safety, or, or, or all of those things? I think it's, well, safety would obviously be a particular interest in the construction industry. Mm. But I think mm. it's about representing the importance of their views. If you are in multidisciplinary teams with multi-expertise, you want your manager to be able to champion your role in that project and for you to be as significant, as important, and as considered as any of the other specialists there. So that there's no sort of hierarchy, but there's a much more, as I said earlier, a democratic approach that everybody matters, everybody has a contribution to make. Yes, yes. And then, and then a, a shared sense of direction in the sense that we know, I know why I'm getting out of bed in the morning, I know why I'm coming to work, I know what's expected of me, and I've got this understanding of the bigger picture really rather than just working although my although my role might be very specific uh, in terms of my skill set and what I'm doing I know what it is part of I know the the bigger picture that I am contributing towards that's the that's the general sense of it I guess yeah absolutely and that also that your 
views on the overall strategic direction, there is a channel for them to be listen, communicated and listened to. Yeah, so I mean, if we're thinking from an engage with success perspective, um, that clear sense of direction is, is, is absolutely the first enabler in terms of having a, a strong strategic narrative about where we're going, where we've come from, um, and what my purpose is. So it plays to that, doesn't it? The second one, um, the second enabler is about the role of managers in order to um, champion and nurture and stretch and look out for their people without micromanaging. So it kind of plays to that. And then, of course, the third one is around employee voice, isn't it? About how yep. giving people the opportunity to contribute, to make their, their views known, to shape direction of things and that plays to your need for some kind of mechanism to enable people to contribute and have their say um yeah. so it's, it's it's very interesting the way it all it all lines up doesn't it so um taking that on then um what practical steps does the industry and you know, wider sectors that, that also share this sort of structure or this, this approach, rather, it's not a structure, as you say. Um, what are the sort of practical steps that um, we can take from this research in terms of helping to improve engagement within these two organisations, particularly, but but you know more more widely too? Well, I think we. It's no coincidence, is it, that YouTube and videos are such a success. We do like to see things. We like to see them acted out. We like to see them in motion. So if you have role models, you're the senior leadership team are behaving in this way. They're listening. They're seeking out expertise. They're uh, respecting it when they hear it. Then that becomes that starts inputting into the culture of the organisation. If you recognize and reward that behavior um, explicitly, so you take account of um, in your appraisal systems that this is the sort of behavior you want and that you're moving much more to a shared co-creative view of leadership than just rewarding individual leaders for their own individual skill set. So you've got better at time management, delegation, um, chairing meetings. So it's not about the individual. It's much more about how they relate to the other leaders in their teams and leaders in other boundaries. And to keep on developing, encouraging people to learn about leadership, as I said, rather than, as I say, developing your individual competence. And as many members of staff as you can get involved in this talking about the strategic direction, arriving at a shared understanding of the values of the organization and what you're, you're there for, then the more cu the culture of the organization will reflect that. Okay, that, I could see that. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? How, how easy, though, is it to recognize and reward and look at performance management when you have got this um, distributed leadership when you've got lots of lots of different subcontractors for example all all basically doing being employed by different tiny little micro businesses um is it is it does it become a logistical nightmare or is there a more cultural sense of that that, that we're all in this project together that you can bring them all together from that from that perspective and then reward and recognize or or, or do they tend to be treated as very much, you know, paid, 
paid workers for that piece of work and um, come and do it and then away you go? I think looking at what you want from a project or a relationship, what are the desired outcomes? And then judging people on how they deliver those outcomes is really turning performance appraisal on its head in a way. If it's not just about, actually it's not just about you, Kate, it's about how the people that Kate relates to experience mm-hmm. working with Kate. And I think that's, Again, it's, it's, it, it, in a way, you've already said it's, it, perhaps it's more logistically, immediately, but actually it might be more simple. You might have a f- fewer questions and that you just say, well, tell me what one of your customers has said. Tell me what one of your suppliers has said. Tell me what, how you think you're working with these people, how you are being listened to by them and how they are listening to you. So it's, it's, it's almost like starting again, isn't it? Because you've got to identify the behaviours you want what will they look like in practice what will that mean and that is unlikely to be a list of competencies it's much more likely to be that we're a considerate contractor or we get repeat business or our suppliers recommend us to other suppliers we've got a good reputation for treating our our subcontractors well those are the things that you want to be measuring Mm -hmm. right right okay and where where do we go next with this research kate what's where or where are we now? There's a report about to be published, as I understand it. Is that right? That's right. And there's going to be a summary that we're going to be publishing really very soon. So if anybody mm-hmm. would uh, like to um, access that immediately, obviously it will be on the Engage for Success website, but it will also be on institutelm.com website and will be able to be freely downloadable. And that will right summarise the report and the key uh, recommendations, really, which I suppose a lot of people are interested in reading. Yeah. Um, summarise our discussion today and sort of some steps you might take in order to make it happen in your own organisation. In terms of, we're still obviously very interested in this sector, uh, interested in going back to my early comments about turning the recommendations into reality into making them happen so one area that's of interest to us that we're hoping to develop is what what leadership development is needed in order to meet these the challenges in order to become part of a much more engaged organization so we've talked about or i have talked about training and development for leaders but what what would that look like what would that actually mean is that and how can you make that happen? And, of course, particularly for SMEs where they don't have large um, L&D departments or huge uh, budgets, uh, they might need cost-effective and shared ways. I think anybody who works in the industry will, will say, well, we do need more leadership development. There might, there's likely to be a leadership skills gap if there isn't already. How are we going to get this pipeline a talent ready to step up into leadership roles. Right, right. And, okay, so there's some stuff that we can get immediately um, via the the website. Um, There's a few things in the pipeline in terms of some summaries and and sort of infographics and so on that that helps us um, make it more accessible, perhaps. Um, What one thing would you like listeners to take away from this conversation that we've had today Kate perhaps listeners particularly who are not in the construction industry what can they learn from this well I think it's, I've sort of come up with an acronym RID 
Um, Mm -hmm. It's about respecting expertise wherever you find it. Involve as many people as you can um, who are affected um, Mm -hmm. by the the business that you're in. And Mm -hmm. and, uh, develop, develop, develop. You know, you can never learn enough. You can never support learning enough. And that does not have to be about going on courses. Many ways of helping people to learn. Rightio. Okay. Now that's fabulous. Thank you. Um, so um, just really to conclude, I guess we couldn't really talk about the construction industry without a quick nod to what's been going on in this sector in, in recent days with Carillion. Um, most of our listeners are UK based, but not all. So could you very quickly, um, we've got a minute left, a very quick um, overview of, of what's happened with Carillion and, and, and perhaps try and make some sense of it for us. I think there were three things here to me that the number of people that were impacted by decisions in which they had no part. So there's no distributed leadership there, no shared responsibility for decision making, which suggests that not enough respect was given to expertise. There wasn't enough diversity of expertise, whether that was civil engineering, construction, finance, whatever. There was not enough distributed Um, expertise involved in the decision-making. And then, of course, the interconnectedness of all the activities. Unless everyone in the supply chain is being treated fairly, is being rewarded for the value that they're inputting, then the chain at some point will collapse, will it not? And I think it's it's respecting all your suppliers, all your customers, all your employees. Everybody matters. Everybody's important. Okay, perfect point to end, Kate. Thank you very much for joining us today. It's been um, great to have you sharing the the, um, findings of the research with us. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And don't forget the um, conference uh, on the 22nd of March. So thank you very much. And uh, thank you and goodbye. Thank you, Kate. Thanks. Thanks, Joe. Bye. Bye. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice. For people who believe there's a better way to work. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.